we're live. This is surprisingly fucking large. Lack of activity on the comment side. <laughs> well, there we go. It'll, it'll we happen go. to someone watching. It'll be me, yeah. though. Probably you. <laughs> well, welcome to Knife Making Down Under podcast. Podcast. Uh, another Thursday night. It's been a fortnight since the last one. Here we go, Brad Stone. Hello, mate. Uh, we're just saying surprisingly few people commenting at this point in time, but it has just started up. And now we've got Andrew Ward on board. G'day, Andrew. Uh, yeah, Corrin and I were just having a little bit of a chat about things that have happened in the last fortnight. It's been a pretty busy period for the both of us. Some funny stuff and some interesting stuff that we'll probably get in and talk about uh, as the evening goes through. So we'll let a few more people join up. Get on board. If you're listening to this down the track, don't forget you can listen to us every fortnight on Thursday night uh, on the Knife Making Down Under group on Facebook where you can follow us, um, watch us live as we record. You can and put your questions up live and distract us and um, basically get us <clears throat> off the rails. Yeah, pretty much. And we like that sort of stuff coming in too. The impromptu things are a good we're sort of like a couple of guys who normally look around and go talking about something and go, oh, butterflies. Easily distracted, easily led astray, but that's that's all good. G'day, Andrew and Jamie and Steve Eads. He's back on board. Steve's really keen for those that group buy of the can't twist clamps, mate. Yeah, aren't we all? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and the good thing up. about... The good thing about this group buy is we've already bought them. They've landed, and I'm glad we did that because they took uh, the sh container was supposed to come in November, and it just arrived like a week ago. So if we'd put, done wow. it before, it would have been a major fuckfest. So, but they'll yeah. be in stock until they're out of stock, and I don't think there's there's not there's a lot there, but there's not that many there at the same time. So they'll go pretty yeah. quick as soon as they're released. So follow the, the Gamaco Artisan Supplies Bolt Buy group on Facebook. Um. And get on it. Pretty much so. So I've got a few people trickling in. We've even got Ian from Gamaco Sales. G'day, mate. How are you? Dallas, Day. Dallas Day says, is there a shortage of carbon steel due to COVID? And Dallas, uh, I've got to tell you, back in the height of COVID, we sold about nine months' worth of steel in two, two weeks. Um, and we can't, well, we can get more, and there's more being freighted, but it's just taking a very long time to come in. So uh, that's just, just the state of the freight, world freight at the moment. We're doing our best. We've certainly got a lot of stuff. It may not be the one you want. Try something different. Cole's there and, and Tim and Ian are more than happy to help you out with selecting something different. So, um, yeah, get into it. And there's probably more on the way. The guys will be most helpful yeah. in, in letting you know when I've it's seen it, I've seen them saying there's there's container, container loads of steel on the way. There's another it's one due in April, so. It's not necessarily that there was a shortage. There was shit tins of steel coming in. Just everyone fucking bought it in a hurry. It fucking right. There was there was like I say, nine months worth of steel went in two weeks. Yeah. And and no, you know, I just can't I can't forecast that sort of shit. So it is what it is. Who you know? who can? Who can? Yeah. Uh, funny days. So Andrews just asked, um, can Kobe make an appearance in lieu of Mert tonight? Um <laughs> Kobe's my new border collie pup. He's 12 weeks oh. old. He oh. is an abs absolute fucking 
piece of fucking shit, which makes him fit in perfectly well in my household. No, he's a super little, super cute, unreal little border collie pup who just doesn't have an off switch. Keeps me very well entertained. Loves coming up to my workshop. He's very happy just to come in and sit down and hang out. He sits the funniest way. I'll post some pictures on my social media at some stage about him, but um, yeah, he just he's very chill. Nestles into the weirdest spaces in my workshop. Not phased by power hammers and hammers and grinders. It was funny. We had my class last weekend, and he snuck in and was literally standing like walking under our feet in the grinders while we're grinding handles. So my wife, Ro, had just washed him the day before. <laughs> and he's coming in, standing underneath the uh, grinders, getting coated in dust, lying down in the shit. Can't tell that he was clean. But uh, unfortunately, mate, no, Kobe's out um, trying to learn how to be calm and quiet. So, no. But I'll send you photos, Andrew. He's... he's going good rained here this afternoon and the two dogs decided they were going to have rumbles up in the mud patches which are there because of the shed extension and uh, that was kind of funny seeing both of them just literally fucking coated from top to tail in mud uh, I think that's a priority next is getting the mud holes filled in and the pavers sorted no, good show uh, what else what's been happening with you Corin, you've had some. You've had a guest or two at your joint this last few days. Can you give a rundown on that? Yeah. So uh, on Saturday, I had a few people over for a sort of an impromptu gathering at my place. I had, um, uh, yeah, just a couple of guys, including Maddie Snake, came down and um, a mate of mine who's making a Russian replica knife. He's wanted a hand with, and we got that. Got that really progressed um uh, of course ian stewart dropped in and um keith flutter and joe brunetta ian ronald yeah a few people just dropped in and it was pretty good um pretty good day on sunday was that and then, um, um was it bloody uh matty mewburn that we saw in a picture somewhere along the way yeah he came on he came on monday or tuesday or something um, yeah, nice. He had to get some, so he needed some help with some forges that he's prototyping. We got that sorted out, so that was pretty good. Uh, but Ian stayed for three days, and and um, we well, he wanted to make a barrel knife, but we, well, you need more than three days if you make them one with me. So that's the way it is. <laughs> so we got halfway through a barrel knife. Friday, uh, part B to come. You got a yeah, you, you've got a bit of a surprise over the level of. Uh, the level of detail I go to, the level of accuracy and 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 so forth. We um we had a pretty good time. We got up to drilling the holes for the handle. He's made the internal barrel, ground the blade. He gave me a nice piece of explosion Damascus. Maddie McVicker gave me some explosion Damascus for the butts years ago, or not years ago, maybe last year or the year before. And um yeah, we just basically started started putting it around, putting it together. So it's uh his is coming along really nicely. I had to restart mine. I, I fucked up, but that's okay. Um, so happens. Mine's mine's a little bit further behind than his, but we did his um, we did his spring, and you might have seen on his social media. There was a few things that happened actually that was pretty cool. One was, um, Kev, you've seen me solder butts onto him. 
soldering onto the yeah. frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I sat there with Lee and I said, oh, look, I'll show you what I do. And he said, oh, all we need to do is just put a couple of clamps here and here. And I looked at it and said, oh, you know, wish they made clamps that small. And then I thought, fuck, I've got a drawer full of them because <laughs> I've got a bunch of surgical clamps with the little fine points. So you'll see pictures again on Ian Stewart's social media. Yeah. And I, I clamped it together, which gave me free access around the whole joint. And, mate, I've never done better soldering joints. These are clean and that tidy. Was a fucking, it was a fucking tidy joint. Like, You'll see it on my um, Instagram, Corin at Gamaco. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, it just came together really nicely. Um, Ian's came together pretty nice, but mine was even better, so that's even better. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, then we made this. He spent some time making the spring, and we hardened that. We just torch hardened it. I have a lot of trouble hardening strings, you know, springs. When when I set them, I get the little bend, and I put them in the forge. I've just got this habit of whatever, whatever reason, they always come out straight, right? So blades yeah, right. warp, springs straighten. I don't know if that happened when we did yours. Nah, we just fucked yeah. mine up in a different we, way. <laughs> we had other problems with yours anyway, right? Yeah, that's it. So I uh, I set the spring and um, we put it in and, and, and hardened it and it came out and I chucked it under the hardness tester and it measured 40 Rockwell and I said, oh, we didn't get it hot enough. We were heading it with a torch. So we'll do it again. It's only, you know, it was Damascus, 1084, 15 and 20, which you should be able to heat treat just fine in a torch for a spring. Hell yeah. And so we did it again. And, um, well, the good news was we got to 60 Rockwell. The bad news was that the first time we hardness tested it, I, um, I jury-rigged up a little anvil to put on because it curved and I wanted to put the dot on the back because the hardness tester leaves a mark and it's hard to get it out. And I jury-rigged up this beautiful little anvil. And I thought, that's great. And we hardness tested it. And there was this sound like water on hot steel. I've never heard anything like it. And I said to Ian, you know, it takes a little while for those things to, to load. And I said to Ian, what was that? And the next minute, ting, and there's bits of fucking spring flying all over the workshop. <laughs> well, two bits anyway. We had to go looking for them. Um, <laughs> and um, and that, was, that was what it was. Yeah, my, the, the total fail. We fucked the spring completely. So we had to start again and... He looked at me and I looked at him and that's knife making. Like, what you gonna do? You just yep. gotta pick up and do it again. So yep. so that's what we did. We roughed it out pretty quick. I, I roughed it out for him on the grinder and we just got into the hand filing again. Yeah, you know, another four hours later he was back where he was. <laughs> As I say to you before before we went live, when I saw that on the social media that the spring is snap, I did have a little moment where I was like Fucking yeah, sucko, because we had the problems with mine. And it's like, yeah, at yeah. least I'm not the only one. And uh, yeah, but no, I can imagine, um, I can imagine Ian would really appreciate the level of complex sort of measurements and, and like I said, precision that goes into one of those barrel knives. And I he think was taking, he was taking notes and photographs like a motherfucker. The, the amount of, um, the amount of stuff that I do that you've seen me, right? I don't use sort of traditional yeah. techniques, right? So, yeah. and so he was just blown away. And, and, you know, maybe I should use traditional techniques. Maybe I'd go a lot quicker. 
Um, yeah. I tend to spend a lot of time trying to get it right. And, and yeah, one of the things that he liked was me holding a block of wood in my hand and drilling three holes from each side at tapers, all meeting perfectly in the middle. Have you seen <laughs> me do that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, fuck, never seen anyone do that before. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, just a little trick I picked up. I've never, like I said to him, I've never messed one up. I've literally never messed one up doing that. Yeah. So I broke that. Works for me. That's what I reckon. Yeah. I do have a, there is more to the story than just holding a block of wood in my hand, by the way, guys. They just go trying that. No. Yeah. <laughs> come and, come and do a workshop and I'll show you what I do. Like I guess say, there is a little bit of, uh, we'll come and do part A and then try and line up part B. Yeah, we'll, no, we, um, so it did, it went really well. Oh, Jamie's seen it. Yeah, look at that. Jamie's just commented, it's a sight to behold. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking shit, shit fest, but it works. So I drilled, um, we had, I wanted, he had to have 4.7 mil holes to get through, which was the thickness of his barrel. And I went, I was going to go through at 4.5, but he didn't want me to risk it. So, we went through at four mil, which is 0.35 of a mil from the line, top and bottom. It's still very tight. Beautiful. Ooh. That's Not it. silly if it works. So, no, that's right, uh, and um, yeah, we had a pretty good time. We had, you know, went out and had dinner. We had dinner with Mr. Flutter and, and his beautiful wife, Robin. And um, we, uh, well, I didn't drink anything because I'm off the grog at the moment. So that's pretty sad, but. You get that. And young Matty Snake did some work for me. He dropped that in on Sunday. So Fucking hell, not mate. That, not that this is lotto, the right. You need to buy a lotto ticket. Yeah, why is that? Matty Snake doing some work. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> True story. <laughs> so he made up he made up some 3D printed um, uh, test handles for a fishing reel. I've got that's broken for my... 1980s oh, collection. Yeah, yeah, this is your old school fishing rod. You can't get bits for oh. it. Yep. So he made up a piece for that, and I've been fucking around with it, pulling bits apart, trying to work out how I'm going to put it all back together because some of it's creep, but it's going to be mint. He's done a done a fine job with the prototype, and now it's going to get printed in some fancy newfangled carbon fibre shit that's stronger than aluminium or some shit, and it's going to be rad. He he might talk a lot of shit, but he's pretty good at what he fucking does. So uh, this guy, Gunny Forge, has just asked where Mert is, and that's a good question in, in and of itself. But he also says he had a good laugh at the troll that accused him of printed Damascus. Now, I'll be honest, I haven't been on social media for a long time. So what's all that about? Uh, Mert posted up, I think it was a picture of a knife with the Yushoku Damascus. Gunny, correct me if I'm not right on this one, but I haven't, I've been fleetingly posting shit up randomly on, on things. But there was a bit of a heated discussion about the term of San Mai accusing him of printing the Damascus, um, all this other stuff. But the guy was apparently a reseller of knives and it just fucking didn't make a lot of sense at all. And Mert pretty much put him in his place, um, as Mert does, um, which which was good. So that was, a, <laughs> that was actually quite a funny thing. I like the way Merck gets up there and when the Pachymascus guys fucking come on board, he gives them a bit of fucking lip. Doesn't well, it's good back. to see him giving him some back. It's good. 
Yeah, yeah, that's it. He's always trying to sell their sh his shit to them, so why not fucking have it the other way around? Exactly. Yeah, no, that's exactly. that's kind of funny. So uh, it, was, yeah, had... it was it was it was a real joy having Ian in the shed because we, you know, he's um he's a clever bloke, you know, he's a clever very bloke, clever. and it's just very very clever. It's just just nice to work with him. Nice bloke too. So yeah, yeah. I um I'm trying to tee up a time to go down and spend a bit of spend a few days with Ian at the retreat down the coast there and um, clear my head and maybe make a knife or two with him and see what he does you know just relax but when I had the time when I had the time he didn't have the time as always happens and now I'm biz back to being busy again um, it's just trying to get those dates in line but it'll happen I'm looking forward to it. Doesn't matter. Move slowly in life. Doesn't you don't have to get everything done fucking week to week. Um, yeah, but it'll be interesting to see how we go down there with him. So I've uh, I've spent the last couple of weeks uh, progressing a little bit on the workshop, the extension. Uh, I had I had a class, really nice class actually. I had a um, fellow that I've been talking to, Mitch is his name. I've been talking to Mitch. Oh, look, he booked in about, he, he booked in at least 12 months ago. He's just from the other side of the border in Victoria there. And obviously with everything to do with COVID, just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. But every phone call that we had with each other was like, kind of like we're just talking to old mates, you know, it was really good. Um, so him and his local fellow, um, signed up for the course. There was meant to be three, but two two came along. Yeah. Mitch and Mark. And, uh, yeah, just a really, really nice experience. Like, you know, you spend 12 months communicating someone, just, you know, phone rings. I have people's names down normally like as Mitch-Knifecourse, so I know who I'm talking to. You spend 12 months talking to someone and not necessarily about the knife-making course, but just shit in general, build up this really cool rapport and then, you know, there's a ding on the doorbell and you open it up and <laughs> there's the person you've been chatting to, haven't seen, literally haven't seen him for 12 months, never never seen the guy. I open up the door and I'm like, well, you don't look anything like I fucking pictured, but come on in. And we just had a really, really good course. So very laid back, guys. Um, Mitch has set up a forge and he's probably already ordered his gear from Gamaco. Um but he, he was writing a list of stuff to get down at the workshop. Um, and, you know, I think he's going to get a two by 72 and most likely a disc grinder because anyone comes to my workshop, they're getting an introduction to the disc grinder and, and its benefits. But um, I think Ian, I think Ian's going to be uh, joining the queue for a disc grinder oh, yeah, in the next yeah. few weeks. Hard to beat. Unbelievable. But uh, Mitch, Unbelievable. Mitch actually runs a, um, a garage or shed building company um, and with the progression of my workshop as it was coming along I was sort of saying oh I've only got a next week I'm going to be moving the, the door with me mate Brad and he's like oh we could just do that at the end of the class on Saturday only take us sort of half an hour or so and I'm like serious <laughs> and I'm, I'm one of these people that hesitates I'm getting better but I hesitate when people offer help it's just been the way I've been, you know, like, no, no, it'll be all right. You'll be tired. Don't worry about it. 
But it came to the end of the day, and I sent I sent Brad Heathcote a message because he's been helping me out. I said, mate, come around. These fellas are going to put the door up. The least we can do is give them a hand or watch what they do. Yeah, and Mitch fucking went out, got his tools, came in. They, they pulled the door down, measured it up, chucked it on, and it was done. Like, maybe took about an hour because we had to cut some um, high tensile bolts and shit, shit away. Uh, par- apparently, the gear that we got with my purlins and stuff was a bit of overkill, but, hey, it's, it's apparently it's going to survive the biggest tornado or cyclone that will ever hit Canberra. <laughs> so we had to cut some bolts back and put it up, but it was so awesome. And that was, for me, a big... It was almost like that stage, I guess, when you're doing a build of a house where you get it, you know, the, the locked in, the airtight, the watertight, um, like having that door mm-hmm. on there. It needs, Mitch, if you're listening, I'm sorry, mate, but it needs a little bit of adjustment uh, and, and we're going to do that. But in essence, for someone like me that's got a really dodgy back, having those extra set of hands there, moving that fucking door was like, you beauty. Anyway, that... Uh, that progressed, then Brad came around and we put up the, the whirly bird. Thank you, Corin. The whirly gig, the whirly bird. Um, that's now in. I don't know if it's making a difference, but I'm going to find out next early next week when I run my first class. Uh, painted the floor today. I've been putting uh, like slate trimming around the border of my workshop just to make it look nice. Um, and yeah, tomorrow, borrowed an engine hoist off Matty McVicker tonight, and tomorrow. We're moving the fucking big gear into the new section. So the reality's mm-hmm. there. Oh, mate, I can't fucking mm-hmm. wait. Yeah, been cutting fucking nah, slate, gluing slate onto fucking things. And, you know, I've had a few people question why my reasoning to putting the slate border around the bottom and all that sort of stuff. And quite simply, it comes down to the workshops in my backyard. I've got a fucking huge picture window that looks out to what was my backyard full of plants, which is now my fucking big workshop. And it just needs to look fucking nice. I have pride in what I do and I, I want it to fucking look good. So anyone that See sees me, it, anyone that's going to ask, yeah, but you're I've not looking s- out. From your lounge room, s- you're not looking out. I've got 17, yeah, from the kitchen I do, 17 yeah. metres by 4 metres high, 4.5 metres high of Caliban running down the yard. And I just reckon that's architectural fucking wonder. Yeah, but the bottom on mine that was the exposed concrete from the slab below the colourbond sheeting. And that stuff, yeah. just looked, it, it looked undone. So for me, putting oh, this yeah. slate on there, and I'll, I'll throw some more photos up, it wasn't that difficult. I just went to Bunnings and bought this. That shit that you stick around your fireplaces. Um, we had slate sealer from when we just recently did our slate in the house, and I like it. it, it it's given me that level of pride now that... You know, you work from home, you spend four years in a small workshop. It's, I guess, like if you go and work in a shitty office, you just get sick of being in there after a while. And not that I was sick of being in there, but it just needed a refurb and a, and a bit of flashing around. So it's looking good. I've learned a whole lot of Thank new you. stuff in doing it. Um, I've, the, the last sort of bits of the exterior I picked up today from out at Bunnings, and I'm going to hopefully put them up in the next few days and you know it's got to look nice got to look yeah, nice. No, fair enough fair enough everyone's got their uh yeah industrial, industrial has its place <laughs> just not in your backyard when that's what you look at when you sit down to relax at the end of the day 
<laughs> That's it. Ian says he had a great time playing with my rolling mill on Sunday. So I'll tell you about this. Ian was forging out some um, uh, some of that, um, what do you call it, wrought iron to yep. make some sand mine. And, um, the, oh, you know, with all the people there and that, the power hammer was just downright annoying. So I just said to him, fucking use the rolling mill. Man, didn't hear enough of Pete, but he got the job done. Those things, people say, oh, oppressive, you're in a quiet area or a, or a hammer or whatever, but you cannot beat a rolling mill for quiet. Like yeah, silent. like silent. Yeah. Little hum of, a little hum of that motor and the gearbox. Um, presses, presses are funny. They're, like everyone says, a press is quiet. Not really. They fucking the, those motors still fucking scream. Scream. Yeah, you get that. Yeah, you get that it's bypass a noise. It's not a. It's not the intensity of noise that, especially if you're in an urban area like me. My power hammer, I give short, sharp goes with you know an hour here, an hour there, because I understand that thing just fucking thumps through the neighbourhood. But when you run and you press, your neighbours might not hear it, but that thing's fucking still screaming in your ears. And as I said, when you're running your, your rolling mill, if you've just got to stretch out some steel, man, that they're just beautiful. They're lovely. It's quiet. And it does yeah. such a nice job. So that was pretty yeah. good. Ian Stephen Eads says that Ian Stewart's posts on Facebook are some of the most well-written instruction posts that you've seen. And that's right. He's a he's a very competent guy. Very and the thing that I appreciate about Ian is everything that he does, he does off grid. So to, for him, it's a major operation to start his grinder. He's got to get his gen going and everything else. So he tends to use files a lot. He tends to use a lot of very, very basic tools. Um, Laying the foundations with a Gibson 72 is a pretty good start, though. Oh, uh, yeah, right. But I, I'd, still. I'd, I'd pull a Jenny cord a few times to get one of those running. <laughs> so he's... Um, yeah, so he's he's uh, off grid. So if he can do it, like anyone can do it. And yes, he does run a Gibson now, but he never he didn't have one always. So you know, it does make a difference when you get serious about knife making, getting a decent grinder. And I'm talking about a yeah. decent grinder with a decent VFD with rubber coated wheels. Yeah, you know stuff that it's going to make a difference to your knife making. You know, yeah, you can look, cheap out, but you don't you don't really save. I've been using. I've been using the variable speed Chopmate 48s now for, for fucking four years. I love them. They're bomb-proof. I think with the extension in my workshop, which is effectively going to give me a bigger space in my grinding room, ooh, I feel, feel like whoa, I'm going to have a grinding room, I could probably update to 2x72s because I'll, I'll have that space between them. But the way I've always worked is space has been reasonably limited and a priority so the two by 48 fit my fit my workshop fit me they go hard they work bloody well but yeah, yeah you yeah. want to get you want to get the best you can for your dollars see a lot of people online Absolutely. like trying to you know trying to use a fucking uh three hundred dollar two by ninety don't even don't even bother just go and buy some bastard files Buy some bastard files, set up a hand filing jig, and you'll get a fucking cleaner, fucking much nicer, cleaner, faster job done on your bevels than if you get frustrated using a two by ninety or whatever. They are. I started that way myself. 
I started yeah. that way myself, and it's so fucking frustrating. I started with a yeah, I started the same way, hundred mil by uh, four inch by thirty six inch probably, just a little GMC belt sander, four inch wide. Yeah. Started with one of those and um, made it made a couple of knives, and I was like, fuck this is fuck this. I, mean, yeah. I may as well be filing. And then, well, when I upgraded to uh, to a better grinder, it was it's it's chalk and cheese. And you see. People get on there and say rave about them. Oh, they're so good. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I thought that too at the first. But when you know yeah. good, when you know good, yeah. My advice is always go and do a course. Because if you go and do a course, you're going to use other people's machines. You're going to see what it's all about. And you're not going to muck around and, and waste your time and money, which is really all that sort of stuff is. Yeah, you can get a bit overwhelmed. Like you know, speaking speaking from someone that delivered courses with a fairly comprehensive workshop, you can walk in there with a the starry eyes and and you know wishing for the lotto win. But you know that took me a long time to build up, or I chose for it to take a long time to build up because I worked with what I had. And it was like, yeah, decision point now is you know buy the small power hammer. Um, then a bit, bit further on, a little bit of money in the bank is like, all right, need to invest, buy, buy um, a press. And everything for me is with the consideration that I do this full time as well. If, you, if you're just doing it as a hobby and had everything that I had, holy shit, you'd just be laughing like all the way. That, that'd be amazing. But people come to my courses and they get to experience everything. And nine times out of ten, you know, we do forging. And, and for, why not? Forging is awesome. But when they start asking about, you know, how to set my work, what do I do to set my workshop up? I tell them to buy buy the best grinder they can afford that has a bit of flexibility in adding attachments in particular. Start with stock removal. And if you can grind a knife, you know, forge later. Buy, buy an anvil and a, and a um, forge and hammers and tongs all that shit later because you're going to spend fucking two and a half, three grand on all that and then not, and not have anything to grind the knife with. But you don't have anything you don't to grind it. the knife with. And Ian yeah. Stewart's a classic example of that. He does yeah. stock removal. You don't You don't need to forge. Forging is fun, increases the efficiency of the use of your steel, is challenging, what's the saving? What's the, what's the saving in that though, really? How much steel do you really save? Uh, yeah. Over the long term, a lot, but on a short term, not much. Yeah, <laughs> it'd take a guy like you a long time. It'd take you though a long time to recover, say, a thousand bucks for an anvil, say, fifteen hundred bucks for an anvil and forge. It would take a long time to recover that in steel. Yes, true. So if yeah, you're a beginner, yeah. if you're just making a few knives, recovering fifteen hundred bucks on steel, I not going to happen. Because you're going to have all that fun. You're going to have all that fun of forging, and really it is fun, and you know, and there's, there is a skill to it, but you're going to have all that fun forging, and then you'll have a forged knife and go, yeah, awesome, now I can't do anything with it. Penny oh, Wilkinson says in the chat, you're I, used you to using small tools. I was, only, I was only thinking of this bastard before we bloody logged on tonight. I yeah, don't seen, think of him. I was watching him doing that silly bloody soap holder sword thing that he's doing, and <laughs> You know, getting praise, international praise. You know, but it's a back scratcher at best. 
<laughs> I love you, Henning. <laughs> I'm sure I'm one of the few that could get away with saying that about him too. But <laughs> well, yeah, only because you're so far away, Kev. I he's know. Packing his, his he's going to give me another lap dance. You watch. He can't wait to sit on my lap again when we go out for wings in uh, when we're back in America. There is a fair bit of man-on-man love going on there, but let's not let's not harp on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Owen says that the coolest grinder he's seen yet, it's the horizontal grinder that Sean McIntyre built. Has all shapes and sizes of contact wheels, super cool and very handy. And that grinder is awesome. And if you want to do a bolt by Owen, in my first year, six months or year of importing gear back in 2012-13, um, <laughs> sorry, I put it up, you put it down. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry. Uh, I, um, I tried to run a bolt by on the grinder that that's based on. It's called the Maximizer. And if people want one, I, I'm happy to run a bolt by for them. I love the guys at Hardcore. They're great guys. I've done a lot of work with them over the years. The problem oh, is, of course. Wow. Holy shit. The problem, <laughs> the problem is, of course, it's $5,550 US before it's even shipped. Now, I'll bring them in. I'll fill it, put them in the back of a container and bring them in. No problem at all. But we've got to find enough people that are willing to spend somewhere in the vicinity of seven and a half, eight thousand dollars $8,000 plus GST, 8800 on a grinder to make it worthwhile or alternatively make it yourself. The only guy that I know that's um, that's bought one and brought it in was uh, Mr. Bruce Barnett. There's one in yep. Australia that I'm aware of. Mr. Bruce Barnett brought one in. Freeze folders. And, and yeah, so bloody good. But yeah, if, you guys uh... have got, if you guys have got the fucking money, I, I want one. I don't have the money, but... We'll work that bit out later. That's a hell of a grinder. That's a hell of a grinder. I'm a full-time knife maker. I got nothing fucking near that. <laughs> Mark, they've got a heap of really cool tools. I used to bring – I've actually visited their factory, and um, I've spoken to the guys there, and they're really cool people, and, and I'm happy to do business with them, and they'd be happy to do business with me. It's just a question of, of um, yeah, of quantity. That's what it comes down to, to get the uh, to get the grinders on on the deck in Australia, and I can't afford to fund that one. It's just too big. Like you know, oh no, it's just too big. Right. So it'd be a be a case of we have to work it out. But um, well, the other like so the other alternative in terms of if you're looking for a grinder that's got a a lot of versatility and has you know backed players like. Ian Stewart and Keith Flutter is the Shopmate 72. Ah, sorry, the Gibson 72. Yeah, and the Shopmate and the Shopmaster, they're all great grinders, mate. Well, the Gibson they 72, got- like, so that's the that's the that's the cream of the crop. And you know, that's that's the full-on professionals professional grinder. That's mm. like when you want to go to a lawyer and they give you a barrister and you're just like, holy shit, that's unreal. When when we I've I used an awful lot of grinders, right? When I was when I was working out what I wanted to buy. I brought in grinders from America, I've brought in grinders all over from Australia, from different manufacturers in Australia, uh, at least three different manufacturers in Australia, as well as the guys overseas. And 
when I came down to it, there was a whole bunch of things that I that I really knew I wanted to have in a knife making grinder, and all of those things are in the Gibson and the eighty four engineering products that we sell. Rubber coated yep. contact wheels, absolutely yep. essential. Awesome transfer of power, but the main thing is tracking and and the ability of the belt to run in a straight line. There's a guy in Australia who makes grinders, the Radius Master. He's onto that. We're onto that. Um, you can cheap out. You can go cheap and not have those wheels. But I don't want to sell you something that I'm not happy with and, and I know isn't as good as it can be. The other thing that we don't cheap out on, and we never will, is VFDs. It's important yeah. to have a really good VFD with a proper factory warranty and being backed because, to be honest, most of your grinder expense, the biggest portion of it, is that VFD. And it's just not worth cheaping out on. And I see people all the time saying, oh, we're cheaper, we're cheaper. And I look at the VFDs and I think, go for it. You go for it. I couldn't be happier because we can warrant ours. We can look after them. We can back them and support them. You've got a problem. We're there. We've been in business. We'll be next year will be our 50th year. We're not going to just disappear. So you buy a grinder from us, you know we're going to be there to support you as long as we physically can. Yep. So there you go. Yeah, that's it, mate. That, that's like a few weeks ago with one of the topics on bloody the Facebook group, like, you know, going down to Bunnings and saying there's a $12.50 contact wheel. Uh, you know, it's like fucking, I, I, put me, I put my hand up and just said that was bullshit. Um, I had a few people fucking getting a bit upset with me about it, but honestly, you know, why risk, apart from the fact you go down there, it's, it's not a fucking contact wheel because it's, not actually sold as a contact wheel. You're going to use something like that, and plenty of people said it's either your bearings are going to burn out, or you know something's going to break, and you're going to end up with a fast-moving object breaking at a critical point while you're trying to make sharp objects, and you're going to do yourself at the very best. You're going to do yourself a little bit of damage, and and scare the shit out of yourself. So. You know, yeah, I think we put the other meme up about the Batman and Robin, you know, with, you know, things being cheap. It's, you can do knife making in an economical way. Things just take you longer. This question's about whether our stuff about comparing us to other grinders. Look, I'm not going to compare to other grinders. I'm not going to rubbish the competition, but I will say this. Our wheels, every wheel, including the tracking wheel, are all rubber-coated. We give you two different sizes of contact wheel, a two-inch and a three-inch, rubber-coated contact wheels that you can grind on. The, the rubber-coating on, on the drive wheel transmits more power to the belt with less slippage. The tracking wheel, rubber-coated, gives better and more accurate tracking every day of the week. Our grinders are supplied with various drives. The most common one on the 72 and, and the 48 You'll notice, of course, that the grinders that have been put out are dead, just copies of ours. But anyway, that's okay. The, the, um, the tracking me mechanism that Ewan developed is the best available. The 84, the Tico VFDs that we supply are a full three horsepower VFD. So as the motor bogs down, the VFD isn't the part that, um, uh, you know, this is not the only the, the three. Yeah, sorry, the, the VFD that we supply has three horsepower. So as you bog that motor down, it's got the balls to keep it going. That's something yeah. that we really, really, really uh, appreciate. Now I can make grinders cheaper, and if you're comparing on price, 
I can drop those quality features that we feel we've got. But I'm not going to because that's not what I would want, and that's just the way it is. If you want to save a few hundred bucks on a, on a $2,200 purchase, go right ahead. There's a little – it's interesting. There's a little quote um, that I'm just going to put up on the screen uh, called by – I'm going to look it up and I'll put it up on the screen. You go, Kev, just a second. Well, <laughs> that's just uh... – Oh, mate, Henning. <laughs> He's funny. He's saying, if you buy now, we'll throw in a Kevin Slattery sex doll. I'll tell you what, that sex doll is going to work once. It's not going to work well, and then it's just going to sleep. <laughs> Don't expect anything miraculous out of the Kevin Slattery sex doll. You'll barely get it inflated and it'll be done. <laughs> oh, no, but you're right. It's... um. It's apples and apples, and and I I I'm the same as you, Karen. I I will only comment on products when I've used both products for a similar period, or done a lot of testing on them, and can give a pretty valid opinion. And it's only an opinion. I can give a pretty valid opinion on what I see as the pros and cons, and. You know, I've seen other grinders and I see the price of them and I've, I've seen people buy those, the cheaper grinders, and they go, all right, but I've not used them. I, my grinder's copper flogging. I'm working in the workshop when I'm not extending it. I'm working nearly every day in that workshop, running classes. Those things are copping a flogging. They're getting about 10 times the use they would, they would get in any normal circumstances. And they hold up to the test of time. The real key feature to the products that you guys are selling, in particular with the grinders, is the backup service. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I um... had it, failures happen, right? And and odd things happen. And I I I've got a newer of the Shopmate forty eights, and it the tracking wasn't going great, and I. I had a look at the tracking wheel and I, I took a photo and I just sent it down to, to Yui just as a, because I'm mates with Yui, I sent it down to Yui saying, does this look right? And a few days later, I had a tracking wheel in the mail and it was like, no, that didn't look right. Chuck this one on and see if it works better. And the problem was solved. And it's that, so, you know, you buy something from the US and good luck getting that. So all the team of Gamaco at Gamaco are fully trained to, if something isn't right, to do whatever we need to do to make it right, make the customer happy, and that's what we—that's what we always plan to do. It's just you know sometimes you, there's just a limit to what you can do, but that's that's what we do. We try and get the product right, the customer happy, and to do that, that costs money. You, sometimes an unbelievable amount of money because you buy some of the, for example, VFDs. The manufacturer probably only give us three month warranty, but we still warrant our grinders. Well past three months. If you've got a problem with a VFD, that's our problem. We look after it. So um, yep. as this guy said, he had some problems with the VFD, but it's back up and working. He didn't like our kill knife stands. I don't like them either, Lee, and I've been saying that for a while. Cole doesn't like them, so we're trying to get something a bit better made. But anyway, that's never here nor there. The quote that I wanted to read, because <laughs> this other one's been, a, um, been getting my goat for a little while, there is hardly anything in the world that someone cannot make a little worse and sell a little cheaper. The people who consider price alone are that person's lawful 
prey. It's unwise to pay too much, but it's worse to pay too little. When you pay too much, you lose a little money. That is all. When you pay too little, you sometimes lose everything because the thing you bought was incapable of doing the thing it was bought to do. The common law of business balance prohibits paying a little and getting a lot. It simply can't be done. If you deal with the lowest bidder, it is well to add something for the risk you run. And if you do that, you may as well have pay, paid for something better. A little quote there from a very old bloke called John Ruskin. So there you go. I, I have yeah. to think that it's um, that it's a it's a pretty fair comment. And you'll note that you know I don't do Chinese steel. I don't do stuff like that we can't stand behind. I'm just not interested in Gamaco Artisan Supplies. I know I can get cheaper products. If you want to make cheap knives, I'll get cheap products and you can make cheap knives. I don't want to sell stuff that I can't stand behind. So that's just as simple as that. So, yeah, go elsewhere if you're looking for price. Now, Jay, Jay's just put up a thing uh, about the backup service, but he said, true, Kev, but Paragon sent me a new controller from the US, so they're awesome. Yes, Paragon are awesome, and that's one of the, you know, I guess in this day and age, one of the rarer companies that, stand by their product and back it up and will go out out of their way uh, technically it's not out of their way but they'll they'll back up the customer and say okay the controller's fucked we'll send you something out and yeah. uh Corin and the guys have a really good uh relationship with the paragon fellas i've met them overseas and we've had them down here um and they, they are really good blokes and they they really do listen to the needs of the knife maker and adjust their gear to suit that sort of stuff so yeah not saying it's it wasn't sort of tarring everyone with the brush that you can't get follow-up service if you don't buy local but you know you run that risk every time you do and particularly you yeah. know people people worried about steel taking three months to get here what happens if you have a critical failure on a product that you've you've bought cheaply from overseas or you know saved a few bucks initially and then you wait nine well, months to get that that diode or something in to, to fix your problem. And yeah. we've all done it with with the Paragon stuff. The guys keep a pretty comprehensive range of spares here in Australia. So if yeah. you have a problem, we can normally get you out of part within a couple of days. Um, you know, depending on what's going on. The, um, the 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 grinders are the same. We stop all the spare parts. We've got everything there ready to go. So if there's any dramas, and and we're not. We're not a flash in the pan company. We're not some guy working out of their backyard. No, no, I wish them every success. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, if you're spending that much money, it's nice to know that three years down the track you're going to be looked after. So that's that's where I like to stand. We sold all those Wilmot grinders years ago. We still get parts made for those just so we can yeah. support stuff that we've sold in the past. So I think yeah. I've got to say they're, yeah. they're actually good grinders too. <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah, they're great. Grinders, I love yeah. They were great. They were great, but you know, I, I had the opportunity to support a local guy and work with yeah. him, and that was you and Andy oh, for engineering, like and I took that opportunity because because yeah. why, Kev? Because we've got to support local. It's not about price; it's about quality, and and not not that you know Wilmot Grind has anything wrong with their quality. Chris at Wilmot, great guy, great products. Yeah, legend. Can't speak legend. highly enough of him, and I'm sorry that you know we moved on, but we did. So it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to support He's your a great local. Guy. It makes if you a great don't support product. your local. Yeah, if you don't support your local industry, you know, you're reliant on stuff coming from elsewhere. And when, you know, you, you were using UE as an example or 84 Engineering as an example, um, when you give those guys a shot and they produce something that's, you know, proven to be good, 
but then not sit on their laurels and then continue to advance it and listen to people and change it. Um, you know, those businesses then expand. And look what's happening with Yui around the world now. He's, his yeah, drivers are going out fucking everywhere and he's employing people as well, which is the awesome thing. Yeah, so you, and that, you know what that, he's employing as well? Do, do you want to know? There's a cut. There's guys that make grinders that don't make knives. There's guys that see a, a business opportunity, and that's great. But Yui's now got at least two more knife. Yui's a knife maker and a sword maker, as you know. He's now got two yeah. more knife makers on staff. Guys that make knives. Guys that you've met at symposiums. Guys that understand what knife makers want. We're not yeah. ducking around here. We're not. We're not trying to to do anything but just make the best possible product for what we do, and that's that's where we're at. Mm. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So it's, it's a good thing. Uh, so what's the other stuff? Uh, what was I thinking? Some stuff I've seen recently on social media has been to do with um, 26C3 and W2 and getting Hamons. Um, have I, you done I, some? Just, have, you, have you done it? Did you do nah, it? Not on, no, I haven't had the 26C3. I haven't had the time since getting it actually spend time doing it properly so i'm like i'll hang off this is again that thing don't don't fucking be a sparrow don't fucking jump from one thing to other fucking bouncing around you know give yourself the time to do these things properly now my recommendation for the 26 c3 shit whatever it's fucking called <laughs> came from mer because mer uses free chef knives I, I love w2 there's no doubt about it so yeah i'm, I'm gonna have a crack at that but one of the questions was to do with the clay thickness, uh, getting the hardness right and all that sort of stuff. So 26C3, I can't really talk about. I haven't done it. W2, um, a lot of it's in the prep of the steel, the thermal cycling of the steel before you even get to the point of putting clay on it. I think where a lot of people make a mistake on W2. Tell us more, Kev. Tell well, they get more. their steel. They get their steel. I do a stock removal knife, and there's nothing wrong with that. We've discussed this earlier. And I, I stock remove some of my W2 um, just for convenience because I like the sizes. Um, and then they'll go, oh, it's heat up to 790 quenching, K quenching. I should get this awesome home on. Um, it, it's, if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it and everyone would be getting fantastic hormones. Uh, if you do it at that process and you're getting good hormones, you, you're kind of getting lucky because I did that for a fair while. Uh, but there are processes in terms of the descending, normalising cycles um, of that particular steel, which are very important to get the steel ready for doing hormones. But once you got to that stage and you want to apply clay, um, we've talked about this before, but my my view is very, you know, quite thin. I mix my Sate night, I use Sate night and I mix the Sate night up to what I'd consider like a muffin mix. So it's, it's pretty thick and then it's put on in a very light coating. And you know, you can put your patterns on there and all that sort of stuff. And you know, sometimes you, you, you get what you're after, sometimes you don't. But if you control it with the heats, the cycles prior to putting your clay on you're going to have a much better chance at actually getting a really good come on. Of course, then the right heat to quench it and the right quench solution at the right temperature all come into play as well. So you can nail it and get it done and be lucky or you can 
you know, research it a bit and go from there. Now, I'm pretty sure it would still be in the archives and we've got the Australian Blade Forum rebooted. Mark Sinclair's done a good job of getting that forum back up. And if you go onto the Australian Blade Forum, sign up. If you're sick of normal social media, it's a nice break away from um, that that losing track of instant Facebook posts and you know your your post you posted two seconds ago being shunted down 25 down the line. But if you go to the Australian Blade Forum um, and search W2 Heat Treat, I'm sure you'll find a very informative article posted up by Sean McIntyre. And that was done years ago, and it's still as relevant today as it was the day that it got posted up. Beautiful. Uh, Henning's actually Henning, Henning's jumped in uh, with a couple of comments here on this particular subject. Um, something that's made a huge difference to me on Hamon's is to do a low temp and kneeling cycle before you do the actual quench. Uh, then he follows on to say, go to like 700C and turn your kiln off, leave it overnight. Yeah, very similar to the processes of prepping that steel. I'd pull, it, out a, I'd pull out a sub, subcritical anneal. Yeah. Subcritical anneal. But it's funny. Yeah. Um, you look at those last three words, leave it overnight. How many people will leave a piece of steel in a kiln overnight to cool down to get them to that next step? And I know the answer to that is not fucking many. Make Most sure you protect know. it from oxygen if it's an electric kiln. Just going to put that out there. Yeah, yeah. If it's an electric some, kiln. Uh, put anything. Some just protect it. Scaling compound oxygen. or even a light yep. layer of satanite over it before you put it in there. But no, that's the thing. Like people, there's a there's a thing where people just want to get it done now. And there, there's there's ways of cheating the system or there's ways of doing doing it right. And Henning's hit it on the nail on the head there. Leave it overnight. And when I went over to the US. That was a bit of an eye-opener for me. We went over to the US for the first time and we were, we were mucking around with our steel, we are forging stuff out. And at the end of the day, it's like pop it into the kiln to do your annealing cycle. And I was like, nah, annealing cycle is like a 10-minute heat it up to cherry red, let it cool down. Um, no, it doesn't really work that way. But, you know, prep's the key. Oh, my God. Here he is. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> Hey, mate, how you going? It's been a long time. You're yeah, well. Fucking miss you guys. Yeah, man, I'm well. I'm just freaking tired. Been, Give uh, us a bit of a rundown. You're, see, you're down under as well, down under the equator, being in South Africa. So, you know, you've got a right to be on the podcast, Henny. Tell us about South oh, Africa thanks, at the moment, mate. What's happening? What's happening there? Oh, it's, uh, it's gone down a lot since Biden got elected. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if you want to... <laughs> So, yeah, it's, I think it's more a political thing than anything else. But, yeah, it's calmed down a lot. Uh, we, um, the infection rate's down. Everything's down. So it's a lot better. The guys can go to meetings again and we can, we can do our courses. Yeah, so that makes it a lot easier for us. Yeah, Socializing yeah, is just, a good thing. Yeah, we're uh, back to knife making. That's the nice thing. Eh? Your, yeah, your latest build, mate, which has been, you know, been on social you've been working on it for a long while on social media and all that you've had some highs and lows um and you may or may not have been listening earlier when i was calling it a soap dish holding back scratcher 
<laughs> but, I was listening. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so now I can tell you to fuck off in person. <laughs> oh, I love you. Uh, I love you that, too, that thing, that thing, man, is just—it's next level, dude. Like you're just continuing to push boundaries, and uh, I think it's why you don't have any hair on your head. Your your brain's just too active, and it keeps pushing out the hair follicles, so you've got space for ideas. Well, thanks, mate. Yeah, you just—I um, don't know, Kev. I just feel in this game that if you don't do that, you'll stagnate and. Um, I like making, I like taking up the challenges and making the things that that I I feel I can't because it just it's such a rewarding thing when you do pull it off. Um, and I mean, you guys know who I am and where I'm from, and I'm a Christian and I do this for God, so I don't do stuff all for Him. Um, but that's just the way I do my stuff. But I'm I'm very happy with the way it came out. I feel very blessed about it. Uh, still trying to sell the bastard though, but. It'll happen. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> happen. A, I bet you there's it's a few of... people out there checking their bank balance, mate, to see see if they can add it to their collection. That's for sure. Yeah, I a, I've got a guy that um, actually wanted it right from the start, so uh, he's just trying to get his stuff sorted out. If he doesn't, then I'll put it up for sale and say, okay, it's 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 available. Um, yeah. I've got about yeah. um, probably I've probably got a fifty here. How much? You, I've got some old leaf springs. Will you trade it for some old leaf springs, Henny? <laughs> you just said you don't do cheap steel, you bastard. <laughs> do something better, then we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the oh, thing, let's just, Kev, let's Kevin and I were talking. Kevin and I were talking before we started about that. How many knife makers out there have been have been? Someone's come up to him and said, I've got a couple of old leaf springs I'll give you or insert any piece of steel there. I've got some steel there you can have. All you've got to do is make me a knife. You ever had that? Oh, geez, dude. I've got a – I've literally – I've got a ton of steel sitting out the back. But a guy phoned me one day and he was like, I've got some 50 to 100 for you. Um, I want you to make me a knife. And normally my reaction to that is, you know what, I want to help the guy get a knife. So what I normally say to them is bring the steel – and I'll help you make your own. So the guy was like, okay, cool, we'll do that. Comes driving in with his truck, and the thing's literally plowing a, a photo into my driveway because he's got more than a ton on the back of the thing. It's being races that are like 1.1 meters in diameter. They're massive. And I said to the guy, okay, cool. How many knives do you want to make? So yeah, no, it, it happens to everybody. The other one is, Oh, I've got a nice piece of handle material. Will Will you make me a knife for it? Yeah. And it's like, no. <laughs> happening. Or, or how much discount can I get if I if I bring you the brass for the for the finger guard? Or <laughs> it's always that type of deal. <laughs> I get that with the timber a lot. Oh, I've got this really nice yeah. piece of timber. How How much of a discount will you give me? And I go. Like you, you depends if you supply it and it's a piece of shit. I, I've then got to. Yeah, put a nicer piece on there, but normally I say about fifteen bucks. <laughs> yeah, normally yeah. what I do is I hike the price up by about fifty bucks. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, no, it's, it's like five hundred. It's like a hundred dollars more, buddy. I'm sorry. It's like what? Because I don't know what you're sending me. If there's some nostalgia to it, and it's you know a reclaimed yeah, piece of different. timber from a place that means something to them. That that's different. Then I deal with that. But if it's just a, 
oh, I bought a piece of Ringigi uh, cheap. Can I send it to you? And then you're like, well, okay, well, that's going to cost you 12 bucks to post it to me. Yeah. Then I've got to look at it and see if it's going to suit the knife that you're after. And, and most times it's like, no, nah, keep your timber and just keep your timber. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I we buy this. the stuff in bulk, so we, we sort of get better prices on it than anybody else will anyway. So you're not really going to save well, anything by doing that. That's it as well. Yeah. Yeah. We get, I get it all the time, and 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 it's it's always pretty funny to me because it's normally like distant families and distant relatives and stuff that are saying it. And you think, oh, and they say or just before they say, oh, my neighbour just bought the best knife set. It's like six knives, but it's two hundred and fifty dollars. How much for a knife? And you're thinking, uh, this is going to hurt far more than. <laughs> Where do you start? On the other note, though. I've, I've had some good friends from, you know, when we're growing up, like in our teenage years, buy knives off me. And I've always looked after them. It's not it's not undercutting anything. It's like I appreciate them coming to me and I give them what I believe is a very reasonable price. And it, you only get the one offer, though. It's like I'll make it for you for X many dollars. I don't tell them that it's cheaper than what I'd retail it for. And if they come back and try and barter, you're just like, no, nah, don't, don't worry about no. it. That was that was it. You had a one-off shot at it. Um, as Andrew says, trade it for exposure. Uh, I get that a lot through Instagram with these up-and-coming bloody social media whizzes. And they're like, I've got 1,500 followers. Can you make me a knife and I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there to my followers? And it's like, nah, <laughs> not going to happen. No, no. No, it doesn't work like that. I mean, I've had a guy, I've had the same thing where he said to me, I've got a YouTube channel and I've got so many followers and they watch every weekend and I want uh, a full Damascus integral chef's knife. And I was like, yeah, no, it's like, I can buy ads for cheaper than that. It's, it's okay. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But that's what I do do with that. customers, I, I don't care who the guy is. I don't know. I don't care where he's from. If he asks, I will give him the pricing. And if he says it's too expensive, thank you very much. I'll thank him and, and that'll be yeah. it. Because next time, you never know, the guy might score a bit of a luck and, and get into some bucks. And if I was rude to him and went, oh, you know what, I don't even think you've got the money for it, then um, you lose a sale and you look like an idiot anyway. So, yep. Got to be, I mean, gotta we, be we, polite. You got to be polite. You got to be professional. Yeah, um, unless be, the, unless they're about. persistently shitheads, and then you can just <laughs> yeah. finally give give them the benefit of the doubt for one or two responses, and then I found the best thing to do uh, is what I used to do in my professional life is just don't respond, <laughs> just don't respond. <laughs> I I always invite them down if I can to make a knife. I I really that I get a lot of a lot of kick out of um, helping someone make a knife, so. You know, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I love it. It, it, love it is good to, it is good for me, and just to get sort of grounds me a little bit. It helps me make more than one knife a year. We always joke that I make one knife a year, but <laughs> there's very few years that I don't help two or three people make a knife. So, it yeah. kind of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun. And I mean, I, it's, it's a lot of fun having someone over and just having someone talk to that's got the same. I mean, you understand the guy right from the get go because you felt exactly the same at some point. You just wanted to make a knife. Fuck you. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, all and right. then, but back, oh, look, back then, Henny, I had to buy a book on mail order from America. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a while yeah, It's a different world. I had a garden course on in the week of Tuesday, and I was telling the guys um, that I don't think there's any bad knife making belts around anymore. And they were like, What do you mean? I said, I remember in the days when we started off, you'd go to a company and you'd say, Listen, I want uh, belts like two inch by 72s or whatever you wanted. And they would make you up 60 grit and 80 grit, and you'd grind the one side of the blade and throw the belt away. And then grind the other yeah. side of the belt and a uh, blade and throw the belt away. And <laughs> you would have a pile of belts on the floor by the time you were done. But you uh, say so you had to go and buy a book to just find out how to make a knife. Nowadays, and, yeah, exactly. And nowadays, the belts, mate, every manufacturer has got a really good option. So there's, yeah. they're just kind of spoiled yeah. for choice. You can't really go wrong. It's not like when, yeah, again, when I was growing up, it was all aluminium oxide or, or, the, or the highway. And that stuff yeah. is what you're talking about. You grind one side and, and you know, yeah. they were cheap. But, again, what's the benefit of cheap? So, yeah. you know, yeah. um, just going back a few here, um, Raymond Davies says, when's the bolt buy for the clamps? The clamps have arrived in store. Cole, uh, Ian or one of the guys might comment in the chat just to let us know when they're going to start the bolt buy. But I can assure you of one thing. It's not until I've got the ones I want. And, man, <laughs> and then we'll, spots, then we'll spots start. Arrangement. To... <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to get it Let it go here. <laughs> waiting another three years. We've done a deal with them. We'll probably bring in another shipment, but I would imagine that this is a, this is a first sort of pre-order shipment. It's not going to last real long. So get on it. Get on it, big guys. It's um, uh, I'm sure the price will be good. Cole's uh, negotiated i got to tell you, they've taken probably about an extra $1,000 in freight and an extra four months to come in because of COVID. So, fuck me, yeah. go COVID. It is what it is. Um, yeah. And uh, Ian says he has a knife on national TV every week. The guy paid full retail. He's a celebrity chef. Never questioned it for a second, which is ah. pretty cool. Oh, someone, so, you got to stop flicking stuff up. <laughs> well, you're talking so much, <laughs> I'm flicking shit up, and then you keep knocking it off. <laughs> your question does not deserve a response ghosted i always screenshot those questions and put them up on the on the on the groups i always think that's pretty funny and there was yeah. one guy who i remember he asked me he said, i said how much do you think my barrel knife's worth he said 150 i said fuck yeah, yeah. Fuck off. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then he kept whinging and saying when's it gonna be ready and i said fuck off um yeah. Yeah, said, how far did i get how far did i get with my barrel knife pierre i've just got to make the spring and then I can start on the handle, which means I've probably so got another day or two. Just before blade show, you'll have that, that part done. Oh, blade no, you're pretty, optimistic there. you're pretty optimistic there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, had, yeah. I had one of those guys, similar thing, hit me up. They sent me a photo of a knife. It was a, it was a factory Japanese knife and it was nice. <laughs> and it was unavailable. It was from a retailer in a, in Australia, and it was available, uh, unavailable, not no longer in stock. And this guy sends me this photo and goes, "I'm after a knife like this, blah blah blah." And it was, I don't know, let's say 270 bucks, which coming from a factory that produces thousands of knives a day, or at least very very least hundreds a day, probably all right. And I've said to him, "I've got a similar knife to that, but it's." You know, seven hundred and fifty dollars. 
because I've spent a long time forging it and blah, blah, blah. And he kept coming back to that knife, the retail knife. Yeah, but this one, and in the end, I didn't spend a lot of time with him. In the end, it was like, well, listen, mate, buy the one that, buy the one that you posted me. And he goes, but it's not available. But you can't get it anymore. And I'm like, exactly. So, so my price <laughs> just doubled. My price yeah, just mine. doubled. And then, <laughs> and then the funny thing was, the same knife that he was trying to bargain me down on, which I hadn't even really advertised. I think I just put one photo on Instagram. It was just funny that he was trying to haggle me down and I wasn't going to budge because it was a good price anyway. Um, and then it sold. And then he's come back going, oh, all right, well, it's more than I want to spend. But, yeah, look, okay, then I'll, I'll buy that knife. And I just had the best satisfaction in saying, I'm sorry, sorry but that's sold. I'm sorry, but that's sold. <laughs> and then, oh, can you make me another one? And I'm like, no, nah, I'll just make one-offs, mate. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. See you later, buddy. Yeah. I see you in a bit of trouble with the with with our bucky friends. I'm going to share this with you guys so that you know what what to do with them in the future. It's actually a lot of fun. So yeah. what I used to do is I used to also get on a wagon and just tell them to piss off as far as I can and blah blah blah. And then the one day I was like in a I was in a really good mood enough. You guys know me. I'm always in for a joke. So this guy said, "Can you can would you like to buy a knife?" And I thought, "Fuck it, let's let's go to." <laughs> a bit of a joke with the guy and I said no 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 I make knives but can you make me a saber and the guy was like saber have you got a picture I said no 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 I don't have a picture but you can google it and the guy was like what saber do you want I said I want the lightsaber the guy goes <laughs> and googles it and he comes back and he's like yes yes I can make this uh, and I'm like oh I'm so happy the the, the Jedi We'll be so happy that they found a master that's able to make lightsabers again. Now we can attack the Sith and beat them. And the guy goes, it will be $250. I go, no, 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 you can't charge. You can't charge. This is for a good cause. We need to be able to to uh, <laughs> to defeat the Sith. And then the fun comes in after you've reached that point to see how long you can keep him going. And I tell you what, <laughs> I've had guys go on for days. Just sending me messages back and forth. Would you like this one? We can do this one a little bit cheaper. Because <laughs> when they realize that you're fucking with them, they never, ever contact you back. And that's the best. Isn't it? It's like you have so much fun with them and then they just leave you alone. Because otherwise, you'll, we, they'll just keep coming back. We, with the phone thing. scammers here, it was funny. We, we, don't lo we no longer have a landline, so we're just mobiles. But when I first left my office job, and I was sort of transitioning to doing the knife making stuff. You know, the phone had the phone had ring, or you know, I go and pick it up, and it'd be the the people trying to the people trying to scam you, telling that you owed money to the tax department, and that they were going to send the police over. And yeah, yeah, you know, they they tell you their demands and stuff. And I I used to string those guys along a lot. Because where I am, the, I'm in the capital of Australia, and that's where all the federal departments are, like tax, etc. And I'd give him a fake street name, and oh, you're on Chonky Street. That's the head office, isn't it? And they'd be like, "Yes, yes, we're on Chonky Street." Go, oh, I'll meet you there in, I'll meet you there in ten minutes, but I can only bring you like five um, Coles vouchers and you know grocery vouchers for fifty <laughs> bucks. That get, and so then they're all really oh. Okay, now we can't meet you there, but if you send them to this thing, and then I'd like G them up 
and start laughing at him and going, yeah, pull your finger out your ass, mate. I just had you. And I got to the point where <laughs> I'd ring these guys. They'd hang up on me and I'd ring them back because I'd leave their number to ring on the voicemails and stuff. So I'd ring them back. And I ended up getting blocked from their calls. <laughs> <laughs> I had the biggest. I actually had a really good one one time though. Obviously, the guy on the end of the line just knew it was time for a shit stir, and we just had this absolute mega sledge battle about, you know, you know, fucking each other's mums and all this other stuff. It just the sledging just got so bad. He's like, he's like, oh, I fucked, I fucked your mother, and I was like, oh, you dirty bastard, my my mum's actually dead. <laughs> and her act, her act is in an urn in a wall of the cemetery. So you mean to say that you're out rubbing your doodle against an urn on a wall in the cemetery? He ended up. He, he, we were just both laughing at each other by the end of it. So I was like, "You're a scam and prick." But it was kind of fun. This was fun. Yeah. But you know what? So when you run into the guys, it's like when, when, they, they, when they call. So yeah, when they call someone with a bad sense of humor and they're unemployed, it's like, "Oh, fucking game on." <laughs> <laughs> but we've got this thing going in South Africa where on a daily basis you'll get like three or four calls from an insurance company trying to sell you life insurance or whatever so same thing with them is, is you try and get rid of them as decently as possible and you go please don't phone me again and, and they'll just keep on with their spiel and I mean the guy's just trying to he's just trying to do a job so I don't want to be rude to the guy and uh a couple of months ago, a mate of mine told me what he does. What he what he does with them is he, he treats it like a sex line. So the guy phones him and, and he goes, "Hello," and the guy says, "Hi, good day, sir. My name is Steve, and I'd like to sell you some life insurance." And then he go, "First, tell me what you're wearing." <laughs> <laughs> where are you? Where, where are you? Are you in your living room or in in your bedroom? <laughs> and there's always be this background noise going on and he'd be like what is that a vibrator I hear in the background <laughs> just, you don't have to tell that guy to phone back they never phone you back it's like over and I've been there oh, for the last couple of months and, and the phone calls have literally gone through a hole so I've got like one company still phoning me and that's it <laughs> and, he's, and, and, he's, and he's wearing a G-string bikini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got your regulars. Good to see. Good to see you got your regulars, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck my ribs again. Oh shit. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh there you go. Uh, Anthony Kittle wants to know how much for a Serbian cleaver, Kev. What's going on there? You're going to make him uh, No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, no. <laughs> Priceless. Too much money. You can never afford it. I will give, never. Give a, just give it a bit of thought, mate. Just like quote this. I will never make a Serbian cleaver ever. Done. Yeah, Mate, never. They're ugly, oh, but they sell mate. well. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. I think people look at them and go, geez, are we going to get a lot more for our money? Yeah, look, whatever. Whatever. I'm all good for it. I'm good for it. If there's people that want to buy a Serbian cleaver, I'm good for people making them. It won't be me. 
Buy it elsewhere. Not for all the T-bones in South Australia, Anthony Kittle. Even if, if to... rare with a, even if they're medium rare with a creamy pepper sauce. No. But if you're trying to if you're trying to pay for your hobby or make ends meet and the only custody you've got wants a Serbian cleaver, I I, I, <laughs> I you know make it. Make it make it make it tell him you'll make it, but then just make a chef's knife and send it to you. Not, you won't know the difference. You'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that buys that fucking ugly thing doesn't know the difference. Oh, yeah, sure. No. You can see the. Do you want to see it now? Must I go and fetch it? I can go and get it if you guys want to see it on the on the show. I mean, yeah. If you do that, I'll even give you the big screen. I just have to figure out how to do it. But you just go and do okay, that. Okay, hold on. I'm, I'm just going to pop the go. phone down for two seconds. I'm going to. I'll be back. I will be back. Oh, guys, you guys, you're going to see oh. it first. You're going to see it first on knife making down under um, guys. This podcast and this podcast. I will make a cam. I'll make a Canberra chopper. It'll look like a traditional cleaver. I'll definitely make a Canberra chopper. I'll even make a Viking-inspired chopper. I made a Viking-inspired chopper a few years ago. And, It'd be uh, bloody, bloody hilarious, Kev, if it looked just like a Serbian cleaver. It could be based loosely based off one. <laughs> I got a plan for a photo next time you come up to put on your Instagram of me in my shed with the footwear debacle. Yeah, <laughs> I asked. I asked Ian Stewart about. Did he have the safety? Whoa, Jesus! <laughs> no, it's not Jesus, mate. It's only me. <laughs> it's only you. Yes. <laughs> what did you ask Ian? If he was oh, wearing his that. safety thongs. I was barefoot most of the time. Here uh, we go. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Just wait. I'm gonna get comments off the screen. Get your full here's screen. Yeah. Here's a tip. Move yeah. your head out of the way. Move your head out of the way and <laughs> put your knife in I'm the camera. To... I'm trying There's to too much glare off your head. Oh, oh he's gone. Geez, that didn't work. No, we're here. No, I'm yeah. There you go. My God. Tell me, tell us about it. Tell us what we're looking at. What's the inlay? A little uh, bit of plastic. The inlay is mammoth ivory. Let me oh, just get somewhere ivory? where the light's a bit better. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is like. If I move it to the right, it goes to the left. So the, yeah. the inlay is uh, mammoth ivory. Every all the white stuff, mammoth ivory. Oh, uh, wow! Oh, this wow. one's there as well. Wow! And so the, there's um, a bit of brass inlay. No, that's twenty-four carat. Twenty-four, 24 carat. carat brass. Wow! Yeah, 24, that's no, all twenty-four <laughs> carat gold. <laughs> Yeah, this camera is difficult. It's got a ruby in there set in 24 gold. If it makes you feel any better, we've got your beard is perfectly in focus. The rest of it's fucked. Yeah. Your beard, your beard looks know. sensational. It's because I watched wow. it for a week, the first time in a month. So the benefit for the benefit of those people um, that are, are not watching this, they're listening, uh, Henning is showing us probably one of the most stunning pieces you're ever going to see, and you're not going to see it well on the recording either. You've just got to get on and see the professional picks, which they can see where, Henny? Where can they see uh, the professional I, I did post them on uh, Knife Making Down Under, I think. Yeah. I'm almost sure of it. And yeah. uh, they are on my Instagram page, Henning Wilkinson. And they're on my, on my Facebook page. But, yeah, they, they're all over. Beautiful, man. That is absolutely a stunning piece. Uh, Thank you, guys. Just, just, just out there. 
the, the attention to detail, the engraving, the Damascus, um, just amazing what they're making in Pakistan these days. It's actually made in China. It's, it's made in China and a sweatshop. Um, don't tell everybody. I can send you the link to them if you want, but people won't believe that you made this because you uh, hey, make one after yeah. Can you can you send me the link to my private mailbox? And while you're at it, can you describe what you're wearing? <laughs> I'm, I'm, wearing I'm wearing a Henning Wilkinson knife shirt. Oh, there you go. Can you oh. see it? The one that I gave you that you fucking owe me, you bastard. And, and I don't uh, have one still, Chris. Yeah, oh, you don't actually gave me a shirt, so I owe you a shirt. I'll, I'll have yeah. to make a plan with that. You know what you yeah. can do is you can go over to Kevin's house and you can take the one I gave him. You owe me more than a shirt. What are you wearing tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> you dirty little bastard. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and you keep coming back for some strange reason. <laughs> you pervert. That's me. Nah, uh, that is that is pretty spectacular, mate. That's that's a really really freaking nice. Did you just stab yourself? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, in the ball as well. <laughs> hey, so ah, what yeah. happened? What yeah, happened? Right. This is genuine question. You re you had to redo the blade. What happened to the original blade? Uh, let me show you. I've got the I've got the old blade right there. Um, so this this is something is... that this is something that um, I guess people are reasonably open about, but you don't see it from everyone when they have like a fairly significant. You've got a beautiful piece of Damascus steel, and it it didn't work. So you went back to the drawing board and made another piece of steel for that particular knife. Yeah. Yeah, what happened with it was um, when I etched it, a set, like, oh, yeah, okay. Like one third of the blade, that area about there, for some reason, I don't know whether it was maybe heat treatment or what it was, but it, it didn't etch correctly. It, it sort of etched with a bit of a, like a pitting mark in it. Um, and I've been sanding this and re etching it and sanding it and re etching it and going to. Uh, I did a normalizing cycle on it and, and cleaned it up again and etched it. Uh, for some reason, it just doesn't want to clean up. So yeah. I just decided, you know did what? It, um, did it go? Did it go light? Good money on it. Did it go nah, light? Like, I, I remember now. There were like dark spots. It was almost like it had um, like pepper on there or something. It was just there was like yeah. really small black spots all over it. Yeah, that's right. And it, I mean, you've got the 15 and 20 in there, and that's not supposed to really etch deep, and it actually yeah. etched little pit marks into it. And I mean, I received so many emails. I really appreciate all the messages that I've got from all over the world, guys telling me what they think it was, and they had the same problem happen, and they think it was this. And I've been racking my mind. I think it happened for a reason, because I think the new blade's nicer. It's a little yeah. bit wider. It's got a little bit different taper to it, and I added a fuller into it. And I think that's exactly what I said to Ian after we broke into this week. That's exactly what I said to Ian. It happened for a reason. Yeah, it, it, it is what it so, is, and uh, I mean, I'm just glad well, it, it's finished you, now. That's the thing. Yeah, but can you, or will you, or would you reduce the size of the blade that you've got? And like eliminate that top 
three inches that has the marks, would you reshape that blade and make a smaller blade? No. Or you just you just sit no, there and go, no. lesson learned, don't worry about it. Yeah, okay. One thing that you've got to realize, well, that I'm sure you realize it, but one thing that you've got to realize if you want to make knives is you are going to fuck up. There's going yeah, to be yeah, stuff yeah. Oh, that absolutely. happens. And, yeah. and I feel that the fuck-ups that I've made are more valuable than the stuff that's gone right because you learn so much through it. I mean, I've got a totally different new way of etching now um, that looks a lot better than the way I used to do it because I just spoke to so many people about it that after a while I just figured out, you know what, I'm going to try something new and see if it works out a little yeah. bit better, and it does. It just worked out so much better. Um, yeah. The ferric chloride, I think, um, Cunning Forge asked what ratio do you mix your ferric chloride? I, I mix one-third ferric to two-thirds of distilled water. Um, yeah. We've got a lot of calcium in our water, so that sort of kills the, the ferric if you don't use distilled water. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. We've um, got so many additives in our water. You need to you need to do clean water, distilled water. Yeah, yeah. Connor, don't you guys want to jump on here with me? I feel like I'm doing this all on my own now. I'm just sitting here. Oh, right. anyway, so, um, sorry, you're our, special, you're our special guest. You're very special. <laughs> very special. <laughs> no, it's good. But part of, part of the reason I was asking that, Henning, is um, so you gave the answer that I was expecting, which is learn from your mistakes. You know, we, we do yeah. joke around. We do joke around and say there aren't any mistakes. There's just smaller knives, which can work yeah. in certain situations. You can reshape a knife and redo a knife. But I guess in particular with your way of making and the uniqueness of each one of your knives, you would be doing that without a plan then all of a sudden. And, you know, you might yeah, as well the, the for you to is... go back and forge more steel. Yeah, the thing is what I what I always say to guys is you're gonna if you're gonna make if you're making a little hunter and uh, you get a crack right in the tip or something like that, then take it and just make it smaller. That's fine. That's yeah. not a problem. But if you've got something that's got an internal problem to it that keeps on cracking and keeps on just screwing you around and making it difficult, then trying to fix that. Let's say you get it right, you fix it and it looks like something. Um, and you send it out, and that problem here rears its head out again, then you're going to be remaking a knife for somebody again. And that's not yeah. what you want. You don't want a, you don't want a customer that is able to go and say, but you know what, this guy sold me this, and look at it. Because if it goes wrong for you, it'll, it'll go very wrong for you. Yeah. And reputation, so, it's a dog-eat-dog it's a -dog thing with knife making, yeah. and the reputation, reputation holds fairly heavy weight. Yeah, exactly. It's a, I think it's the most important thing in knife making is your reputation. And if you're going to screw up, um, it's um, it's something that you can fix in your shop, then you fix it in your shop if it's a screw up. But if you've got an idea that there might be a screw up going down further down the line, you're just screwing yourself out of by sending that thing out. It's going to be out there forever. And Absolutely. in the back of your mind, you're going to have this thing in your, well, I wonder when that knife's going to go wrong. Yes. I put a just got a picture up on the screen of this week's fuck up in my shop. The broken spring start again. It's the same well similar. Just throw it away and start again. I just want to you're not gonna put it up. 
put a dot of epoxy on that and get it better, are you? Oh, I was going to weld it, but then I thought, nah, it's all right. Nah. <laughs> um, are you Cole, Cole, Cole Barrett wants to know how much for the dagger, and that, that'll be probably a pretty serious question coming from Cole. So if you're interested in a buyer, you might want to have a take that offline. Um, for the benefit of the crowd, do you, if you mm -hmm. want to tell us, like, ballpark figure upwards of or whatever, that might be interesting, but there's obviously no obligation. That's between you and the buyer. No, I've got it out there for $14,000 US. Fuck, that's cheap. Yeah, I don't think it's too bad, the amount of work and the amount of materials and stuff that's yeah. gone into it. Um, yeah. But we'll that's see. much less than I was thinking. What were you thinking? Yeah. Well, I, I held a $28,000 knife from Sofredo, and I'm no disrespect intended to Sofredo, but the amount of work and labour in yours is... Um, I would have thought uh, a little bit, um, a little bit higher, but you know, I mean, I know disrespect. Of course, it's up to the maker and the buyer, but um, yeah, you know. yeah. You see, the thing yeah. is, at this stage um, of, of my career, I'm what I'm telling the guys is, if I can break even on the pieces that I make, and I'm not saying break even and saying that I'm not making any money, but I need an X amount yeah. to live every month. If I get that for the four months that I worked on it, and maybe buy a new tool for the shop then i'm happy um there'll be a time where i can go and say okay i want fifty thousand dollars for that knife and, and and get it because that's just the way you need to do it yeah. but tell it's us two million rand. so so tell us you know you've got you've got your workshop there you're running your own yeah. business knife making is your sole source of income yeah yeah it is tell us let's have a serious discussion guys about this and it'd be good to have Mert here but that's all right Tell us, are you guys putting away money for your retirement? Are you putting away no. money for your superannuation? Are you properly insured if you have an accident? Are you I'm really insured? I am properly insured, but money-wise at the moment, I'm not putting anything away. Um, I'm seeing this as an investment in myself in the business at the moment, and there will be a time where I can go and say, okay, um, I'm going to put money away. Um, yeah. It's a it's a very tough call with knife making, but the way I see it is I don't have to stop doing this next year or when I'm 60. Um, and I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and I'm sure that I'll be able to do it until I maybe kick the bucket. But I'm going to – I just stick to my guns and say this is the, the way I think about it, and I'm going to try and make that happen. Yeah. Um, there, was a, there was a knife maker here. Yeah, there was a knife maker here who had a serious injury to his hand. And he can no longer make. Yeah. And and it's turning out or panning out. I I I don't know the full story, but let's say let's say hypothetically it pans out that his insurance doesn't cover him. Um, because of the way it was set up, and he thought he had cover, but he didn't. And my my yeah. question to everybody that's doing this as a as a business is, have you got the right? And I know you're telling your insurance people that are trying to sell your life insurance what you're wearing, but in a serious note, if you have to have the right health and medical insurance and permanent, permanent dis, um, what do they call it, personal impairment, Kev, something like that. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So yeah, you've got to, you've got to do that. I've got that set up. I've got uh, disability insurance on. Uh, um, accidents and I mean I've, I've made sure that it covers my job 
So if I lose a hand or I lose a finger or whatever, then yeah, I'll have to, I'll be okay. But the thing is, what I always say to the guys is, as your situation changes, you can change. I mean, if, you, if you're if you a knife maker that's, that can't make anymore, that doesn't mean you can't teach. Um, and that's why you've also, in knife making, got to broaden your skill as far as you can. Uh, we had knife, I've, I've got a, I had a very good friend called uh, Chris Boyson. He used to be one of the best fallen makers in South Africa for years. And he had a heart attack to the point where if he stood in front of a grinder, he wanted to faint because he literally couldn't regulate his, his blood pressure when he dropped his head down. So what he went and did then is he just went to his engraving site and carried on doing engraving for people and scrimshaw work for people. And um, so it's a difficult thing um, to, to go and say, I mean, it's like I always say to, to my wife, you can only plan that much for the future. Um, you yeah. have no idea what the future holds. Um, just what I do is I just try and do my best every day and try and push my name, push my work, and I'm sure that it'll pay off at the end. I've got no, that's the only thing I can do. Yeah, yeah, fair, yeah. it's fair enough. And I don't, I know it's a bit of a personal question, but there's a lot of guys yeah, out there that are full time now. Um, and I just wonder how many of them are properly covering themselves, you know? Well, for so me, I, I, I'm younger than I look, you know, I'm just this young, handsome fellow <laughs> but I, I had a I had a solid I had a solid career earning good money paying extra into my super account and prior to knife making and all my other little adventures I I pushed a lot of extra money whenever I could into my mortgage and stuff like that. So for me I'm actually I, I spent twenty something years doing the standard job getting the standard stuff, putting into a super account and all the rest of it. So I'm actually in a decent financial position where I can run the knife making business and not be, you know, you still like exactly what you were saying, Henning, if you have, you have to earn X many dollars to, you know, pay for your bills and that's how it goes. But um, I this is not a this is not a decision I made lightly when I changed from a career in office working to become a full time knife maker. There was a massive pay cut, especially when you run your own business, and all of a sudden you know you got all your time, you got your own accounting, all the rest, and all you know everything to consider. Are you going to pay into your super? Because if you're young and you're doing full time knife making, and you're potentially earning a lot of money, you got to remember that you should be paying 15, 20% of whatever you earn into a super account because the way things are going, the government's not going to fucking pay for you to be, you know, living a nice life when you retire, if you get to retire. But yeah, That's insurance right. and everything else is the key thing. And in my part of the business, my main priority for insurance is making sure that people that come here and run a, uh, do a class that I run have I have insurance to cover them being mm. here in case of an accident and also that um, public liability and the indemnity if you're at a if you're at a knife show and you've got the product you sell a product that's fit for business, fit for purpose doing a job and if that product goes sour and someone gets injured by it I can guarantee you, you're going to spend a lot of money fucking battling 
uh, uh, lawsuit. <laughs> it's just the fucking it's the way of the, the world. Thing, the other thing that a lot of people don't cover, and I, I find it personally a little bit disgusting, is the way that insurance companies treat people when their stuff gets stolen. So if you're a knife maker as a hobbyist and you're making knives and selling them, you, chances are that your home insurance will not cover your equipment in your workshop. Yeah. Right. Regular home and contents insurance won't cover that stuff because they will simply say you're running a business from home, and you'll say it's not a business; it's a hobby. And they say, "Well, you sell stuff." Yes, you're not covered. There's a lot of policies yes. where that applies. So do your shopping around. Make sure you've got cover before you publicly go out there and sell knives that you know the insurance company might see when they when they do their investigation as to how they can get out of paying you what you, what they should be paying you. Um, like they're a pack of bastards, but what are you going to do? Like you've got to play by their rules. So yeah. I've negotiated decent sort of with, and you've got to be honest with them too, because they'll you're not honest, and then you get found out. That's just that's like their perfect scenario. They'll just brush their hands and say, "Well, you lied to us. Bad luck." Mm. So Advice for me, my my business running from home and my workshop being in my own on my own property, I've actually negotiated a very good deal with my home insurer who are aware of and put it into the policy that I'm running a business from home. My workshop is covered under the policy, but I pay a fair bit of extra money on top of it. It's not it's not spare change. It's it's a reasonable amount of money. But if, you know, touch wood, it never happens. But, you know, we've seen it happen. People have lost their workshops and their, shop their, insurance, their insurance hasn't covered it. And, you know, conservatively, I've got, 75,000 bucks worth of gear in there, not including the steel stocks and everything. Yeah. And then you think, fuck, you know, you get that $75,000 check and you're like, you beauty, I'll start rebuilding stuff and that money's going to run out pretty quick and you're not going to have your power hammer or your rolling mill. And, you know, there's joking around with one of the guys that was uh, on the course, Mitch, who wanted to do, you know, did the course to get into knife making. And I pointed up at the, um, when we're talking about the disc grinders, and I pointed up at my sandpaper stocks and I said, every every packet that's on that shelf is fifty bucks. Hmm. And he did a quick count. He did a quick count. And he goes, "Fuck, you got about nine hundred bucks worth of sandpaper." And I said, "Oh, fuck, nine hundred. I, I I better order some more because it's normally about <laughs> fourteen hundred bucks worth of stock there." But that's the things you don't really think about, is that? And then the cupboard next to that had all of the stabilized timber that I've done over the last six months, which is, you know, you're talking about 80 blocks, 90 blocks of timber that doesn't even come into the equation. So you just lose that. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, so it can be the, tough, but it can be tough, but it can also be um, depending on your business model and all the other stuff that you want to do. It can be absolutely thoroughly rewarding thing to do. You've just got you to get into it. Yeah, if you want to get into it young, if you want to get into it young, get get some backing. Do do a short course somewhere in how to run a business. Get, get an understanding of how a business needs to run before you start running a business, because you'll come out at the back end of it a hell of a lot better. Yeah, no question at all. And for the benefit of listeners and viewers, Henning's dropped out. That's a if you don't listen to this podcast, you 
wouldn't know, but it's a, it's a very common occurrence for Hennings to drop out on account of Hennings um, has a springbok in his backyard that, uh, that runs a treadmill, as Owen Ward says here, and um, keeps the power up to his house. And, and every time that springbok um, uh, trips over and, and has a bit of a roll, we have to wait for it to charge up again. So, yeah, here we go. You know how to get that so springbok to, to run faster? Yeah. Send him, over, what send him over a wallaby to dangle in front of it. Nice. Mm. <laughs> is that a thing? Is that a thing? Is it? I, I a brought my dog. Just a little rugby joke there. <laughs> I brought. Oh, God. Yeah. I brought my. I brought my dog into the office the other day, and um, I'm trying to feed it giraffe bone and zebra bone and everything. But I just got scared <laughs> and ran away. So, I don't know what was going on there. My my new little dog Kobe, the border collie, has dug up probably about 15 bones that the previous dogs have buried oh, yeah. With, within within the first few days of him being at my my house he got into the workshop and and stole a big crown of antler nice. and, and and then about two days later I've, I've walked into the house he got a little bed out next to the back door and i looked down and i'm like oh there's another bit of antler i don't know when he got that <laughs> uh, <laughs> loves it though, and it's for me. It's like that doesn't matter. Let him chill. Nah, that's it. Yeah. You bought it from the pet store anyway. <laughs> the dog or the antler? <laughs> oh well, both really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yes. Uh, beautiful dog. Well, I don't think uh, I don't think there's too much else we can cover. Really, that was not a bad little uh, chat. We missed Mert. We missed having Mert here. Um, he had it was otherwise occupied, so uh, be another fortnight before we get Mert on board. Um, anyone has any questions? Jump on board uh, to the Knife Making Down Under podcast page or the Knife Making Down Under page. Oh yeah, actually one thing, I just put up the expression of interest for the first of the Crime Monkey uh, T-shirts that I'm doing. So the speak no yeah. evil, breathe no evil type one, uh, and getting some good response to that, which is cool. So I'm going to do the expression of interest for a few weeks, a couple of weeks, and then I'm going to hit up the um, supplier. Stephen's just asked the question that I was about to answer. How long for the shirts? Well, two about two weeks just to get the interest up, mate, then I'll add up the numbers, send something off to my T-shirt supplier. She's a local business operator, um, does screen printing about three days a week alongside her normal business. Um, but I'll have a bit more of an idea once I send the final numbers. Um, but, you know, I like to support the smaller businesses, especially my local businesses. So it's not like they're going to spit them out you know, in five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and, and Raymond Davies bought the podcast shows today. Thank you. Thank you for Appreciate that, Raymond. Remember, guys, that the podcast shirts, um, you can get them from Gamaco Artisan Supplies and all proceeds go towards keeping this uh, this podcast running and um, and keeping the live broadcast happening and just basically making shit happen. And they're fucking great shirts. And my wife won't let me wear it in public because it says, fuck you, Kev, on the back, but it's still good. <laughs> I wore mine the other day and I was like, <laughs> and I got somewhere and I said to someone, I'm wearing the shirt that says, uh, fuck you, Kev. And they're like, what? And I turn around 
and they've just gone, holy shit, how did you fucking manage that? I went, that's not the people, that's not the people you do, it's the people you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Jeff. Yeah, anyway, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so there we are. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in the wings at the moment, which we'll talk about in coming months of... Uh, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to get another trip to Japan off off the ground, which will be that will be full sick epic. Yeah, I know. It, it's gonna. I want to go back to as soon as we can get there. I want to get back to second knife show. Um, and Osaka of, and plenty of other places too, my son. But let's <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and and that'll be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, cool. yeah, obviously get over to Blade, but it won't be this year. I wouldn't have thought. Timmy is missing in action. Yeah, look, I don't know where he is, Julianne. I, I would say he, um, he went climbing tonight. He probably hurt himself. I don't know. He might be having a glass of milk. He might be suffering. He's had a bit of an injury lately that he's been dealing with, so he might be just uh, he might be just. He went dead. climbing he's, he's tonight, and he went climbing tonight, and he's a little tied up. Yeah, oh, he's a little tied up. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, so yeah, no Timmy time. I can play the play the logo just as we're going out if you like. It'll make everyone happy. Yeah. How about that? Good I wonder I wonder if when Timmy goes rock climbing, he takes a harness tester. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Hey, you know the funny thing with that? What? Oh, trying Blair, to get the it, it, that's, that's me. That's me when in, back in the days when I used to go rock climbing, outdoor oh, rock climbing. Yeah, yeah there you go. those exciting times. The funny so, thing about many. that is, the funny thing about that is, you're so peaky and anxious. I just can't imagine it. I know. I, I just know. Can't. It helps you grip the rock really tightly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. <laughs> Oh, and come on, does. Owen. Come on, mate. Yes. You fucking thought that was wonderful. There's going to be a group on harness testers soon. <laughs> well, we're going to we're gonna cruise out, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for being a part of the show. Uh, thank you for your support buying the shirts. And, you know, I hope you all have pretty good shirt collections. Wear your T-shirts everywhere. Make sure that you're out there flying the flag for the, um, flying the, flag for the industry because they really are conversation starters. Yeah, for sure. And... Um, We'll go from there. So, yeah, we're done. Kev, anything else? No, mate. Thanks, everyone, for listening up. And we'll, we'll, we'll leave, catch you. We'll leave from that. Yep. We've got to go out with the Timmy time. We do, but I just, it's just a shame I don't have the other one ready to go. I know. Gonna take, it's going to come up in the next performance review. You've heard it. Yeah, I've heard oh, it. Kevin, <laughs> I could probably get it up if we – anyway, never mind. Never mind. We'll worry about it later. Have a good one. See you all. Knife maker. Timmy, what's going on? Gamaco Artisan Supplies. So, just one more thing. Tune into SBS <laughs> 425 Monday night and keep an eye out for the Gamaco ads. Gone national. Timmy's on it. Featuring our starring our young Timmy went live uh, the other week. Forge he's on the fire, ad. Gamut he's on the ad. Supplies ad. We're on national TV, even though like TV's a media of the past and that. It's too good. <sighs>
So, uh, yeah, not all. Peace He'll out, do, as they Timmy, say. Timmy will do free T-shirt signing at the next knife show. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's it. See you guys. All right. See you, everyone.